to invite my favourite preacher, our amazing senior pastor, Melissa Hill, to come and share the word. Melissa Hill, what is this, like a celebrity, come on. And let's give her a big round of applause. Awesome, thank you so much, Jacob. Um, It's so good to be in God's house, isn't it? Um, Particularly this house, I haven't been here for a few weeks. Um, On last weekend, we were doing some ministry in Geraldton with Sun City Church, uh, and we had just had an amazing time there with the women, with the men, and Pastor Jacob. Jacob preached on the Sunday, which is awesome. And there's been some sickness as well, a few weeks in bed as well. I actually sound worse. I feel a lot better today. It's not COVID, so please don't worry. That was three weeks ago. Um, but also had the opportunity to speak at Generation City uh, a couple of Sundays uh, ago as well. And it's so good to be a part of the wider body of Christ, isn't it? But I tell you what, it's good being home. It's good being back at Everyday Church in God's house here. It's also so good to see Ken and Robin, the parents of the groom here in the house. Good on you guys. I saw you partying last night, but you're here, which is absolutely awesome. Um, just on compassion, we're going to have an opportunity. We actually sponsor three villages in Thailand, and, um, but we're going to have an opportunity to, to sponsor a child. And, and, and you sponsoring a child, we have two children that we sponsor. And I know many of us from Everyday Church uh, sponsor children from these particular villages in Thailand. But if it's something that God's putting on your heart, you want to prayerfully consider it, um, you will have an opportunity um, on that Sunday, Sunday the 14th, to sponsor a child. So uh, uh, Rodney will be with us then. Um, let's pray, hey? It's always good to start with pray. Let's hope my voice holds up in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you for who you are, Father God. Uh, we just uh, thank you for your presence in this house right now. We just pray for your peace, Lord God. We pray that your word go forth, Lord. We thank you that your word does not return void, Father God. We pray that it would penetrate our hearts, Lord God, that you'd do something within us this morning, Father. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And congratulations to Mel and Josh as well and little Elijah. He is pretty cute. And, uh, but yeah, it's not happening, Jacob. So praise Jesus. Uh, many years ago, many, many years ago, I was riding on a bus. <laughs> now I was on the bus and uh, between Esperance and Perth. And so uh, at the time I was a student um, in the Adult and Teen Challenge Program. It's a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program for those that don't know. And um, I was towards the end of the program and I was heading um, from Esperance up to Perth um, to, to go on break with my family. I think I had about a week's break. And, um, and by this stage, I'd been radically saved and set free from, uh, set free from drugs and alcohol by God. Uh, he was doing a, a healing miracle within my life. I was being healed, dealing with my issues. I had so many issues. Um, I still do have a few. Just ask Jacob. Um, but I, I, was, I, was, I was so excited about what God was doing in my life. You know, he was working in my life. I was excited for the future. I knew I was called by God. I knew he had an incredible plan for my life. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was going to be good. You know, we don't always have to know what God's got planned for us up ahead, but we know it's going to be good because why? He's a good God. He is a good God. And I knew that I would serve him all the days of my life. I just knew it. I knew it deep down in my heart, in my core, that I would serve him all the days of my life. And I remember I was riding on this super long bus trip. It's 10 hours. 10 hours. You're on this bus trip. You've got a lot of time to think, right? You know, your, your mind can, 
go places, you know, it's, it's boring. You're 10 hours on a bus uh, and from the bottom of Australia into Perth. And, and I found myself starting to think about my ex. And this is long before myself and Jacob were married. And I began to think about my ex-partner. And I was wondering maybe perhaps when I got back to Perth, you know, possibly would I catch up with this guy? You know, maybe could I say a final goodbye? Maybe we could just be friends or maybe we could just touch base. I don't know. I was just having a think about it. And as I was wrestling with this, the whole bus trip back to Perth, I wanted to do the right thing. I loved God with all my heart. I, I didn't want to jeopardise what God was doing in my life, but it was a real battle that was taking place, right? It was a real battle that was taking place. And so who knows when you're battling with stuff, you turn to the Word of God. Hello? <laughs> Is that, that's what I do. Do you guys do that? When you're battling with stuff, you turn to the Word of God. Amen? And so I turned to the Word of God. I thought, well, what does God have to say about this? You may already know the answer, but I wanted to hear from God because I had to know to do the right thing. And so I turned to the Word of God and I opened up my Bible and I began to meditate and I began to pray and I began to read Scripture. And I remember a piece of Scripture that I read that just pierced my heart. And it said this in Luke chapter 19, verse 62, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. I still remember, as I'm speaking to you, I remember to this day right now the awe of God that came over me. I remember a healthy fear of God that just touched me. Right in my spirit, it touched me, this healthy fear that came over me. And I thought to myself, that is a pretty hard no. God has spoken and it will not be happening. However, the temptation was there. And you know, we all have areas in our lives where we are tempted, whether that be relationships, whether that be old coping mechanisms, whether that be careers that God has called us out of, ministries that God has called us out of and we're tempted to go back to. You know, when the Israelites, they were tempted to go back to Egypt, it sucks here, let's just go back to what we know. We all have those, those times where we're tempted, where we're tempted to trust in money, where we're tempted to rely on self. I can just do it by myself. I'm just going to make it happen where we're tempted to turn to these things that bring us comfort. And at times we think perhaps it's okay to have both. We can have this and we can have God. We can do this and we can serve God. We can enjoy this little self-pleasure that we know isn't of God, but we still think we're completely devoted to him and that he's okay with that. We think we can do things our own way and yet say we follow God. We say we're followers of Jesus Christ, except you have to be following Jesus to call yourself a follower, right? Are you following him? Am I following him? Am I a follower of Jesus Christ? We have to be following him. We think we can love God and be in relationship with him. And this is not for you guys, but we think we don't really have to be in his house. That it's not important to gather with the saints, his body, his bride, his church. He calls us to come together, to connect emotionally with one another. It's so key. It's so integral. We think we can have one foot in the world and one foot in God's kingdom. Except God says it doesn't work like that. It's God, not me. I'm not saying that. God says that. 
He says it doesn't work like that. And many people in the Bible had the very same attitude. So we're not alone in that. When Jesus walked this earth, he spent a lot of time speaking into this, speaking into people's attitudes in regards to this. This attitude that needs to be dealt with is so key. It needs to be addressed in our lives. If we want to know God more, if we want more, his blessing, his love, well, his love is always there. But if we want to walk in for all that he has for us, it's so important that we address this within our lives, that we allow God to speak into our hearts. And, you know, he wants us to have an undivided heart, an undivided heart. And that is the title of my message this morning. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57, it says this. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still to another, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand, first let me go back and say goodbye. The story, thinking on the bus, first let me say goodbye. Let me say goodbye. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family, Jesus replied. No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It's very clear from this piece of scripture that there is a cost to following Jesus Christ. There is a cost to following Jesus. God doesn't want our half-hearted commitment. I'm sorry to disappoint this morning. God does not want our half-hearted commitment. And he makes it so clear in the Bible. He wants an undivided heart. And though God doesn't want us to forsake our responsibilities to family, we can see from this piece of scripture that he knows when we're perhaps using it as an excuse. He knows. He knows the motive of our heart. It, using it to not give our all. Using it to, to forsake. Using it to forsake the responsibility of God's call upon our lives. He knows because he knows our motives. He doesn't want to forsake. He doesn't want us to forsake our responsibilities to family. That's not what he's talking about. But he knows when we're trying to use it as an excuse because he knows our heart. And it reminds me a little bit about the story uh, of the parable of the great banquet that Jesus shared in Luke chapter fourteen, verse sixteen. It says this: Jesus replied, "A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests." At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see to it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. <laughs> Where's Greg and Suzanne? No, I'm kidding. So I can't come. And the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you, have or what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, 
go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. You know, God's not a fan of excuses. He's not a fan of excuses at all, is he? And we all have them. I'm the first to put my hand up. We all have excuses. You know, they say one of the main responsibilities of a leader is just to remove people's excuses. First, you have to remove your own excuses and then you've got to help those that you are leading, help them remove their excuses. That's what they say. And this is what Jesus is doing here. This is what he's teaching. He's trying to remove people's excuses for the kingdom of God because it's so key. Nothing comes before the kingdom of God. And you know, our own excuses sound so reasonable to us. They they just sound so extremely reasonable to us, whether it be work commitments, family responsibilities, financial needs or whatever it may be. They just sound, we we, we separate ourselves. It sounds so reasonable to us, but we all have our excuses. And we can see that Jesus is trying to teach us something. And, you know, and there's other places in Scripture that he talks about this very same thing. We have to open our eyes and see. We can't just ignore that part of Scripture and say, hey, that's not for me. I like this bit about loving your brother and sister, you know, and I like this bit about uh, giving to the church. I love that bit, (laughs) but not this bit. We have to allow God to work in our hearts. You know, uh, God's invitation is the most important in our lives. His invitation is the most important in our lives, no matter how inconvenient the timing is. No matter how inconvenient the timing is, his invitation is the most important. And it's so clear that he wants us to have an undivided heart, that it can't be both. It's one or the other. That there are consequences as well to our decisions. I mean, that we read in verse 24, it kind of hits you between the eyes or it hits me between the eyes because I think, well, where's that gracious God? Where's that God that keeps on loving? Where is he when he says this? Verse 24, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. It's there. We have to think about these things. In essence, what he's saying is he's saying, I will pull the invite and offer it to someone else. I will pull the invite and offer it to someone else. And yes, God's call is irrevocable. And yes, God's call cannot be withdrawn from your life. But we have to respond to the invitation. We have to respond to the invitation. The Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. And that's because few respond. That's why. Few respond. Jesus himself said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so it requires a response. You know, um, Solomon from the Bible, he tried to do it God's way and and he tried to do it his own way. He wanted to have both. And it didn't work out out so well for him. Uh, He was so blessed by God. He was chosen by God. He was given wisdom beyond his years by God. He was the most wise man Uh, ever to have lived he was well respected he was revered by others even the queen of sheba thought he was amazing 
I find it funny that the Queen of Sheba is in the Bible. When I was younger, my mum used to go, who do you think you are, the Queen of Sheba? And then I started reading the Bible. I'm like, it's in here. Now I get what she's saying. It's so funny. Anyway, I digress. So Solomon, he, he had it all. He had it all. He came from a generation of believers and God was very clear to him though. God, God asked him, God gave him a specific instruction and God asked him to walk faithfully with integrity, with integrity and uprightness just as his uh, father David had done. But the specific instruction was he told him not to marry any foreign women as they would turn his heart away from his God to other gods. And God was very specific with that. And that's what he said to Solomon. And um, however, Solomon thought he was smarter than God. Sometimes we kind of think we are a little bit smarter than God, right? Or is it just me? Are you with me? Or am I bearing all up the front here by myself? Making myself vulnerable and open and transparent and authentic? I don't know. But Solomon thought he was smarter than God and he thought he could have both. And the Bible says, the Bible says he held fast to them in love. He held fast to, to these women, these foreign women that God told him not to. Why? Because they'd turn his heart away from God to their gods. And he told him not to. But Solomon thought he could do it his way and God's way, that he could have both. And so he held fast to them in love. He couldn't say no. He couldn't lay it down. He, he couldn't walk away from temptation. He couldn't do it. And 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 4 says, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. And the consequences to that didn't even occur within his own generation. It, the consequences to his decisions and his behaviour did not, he didn't receive them in his generation. It was his son that received the consequences. So it happened to the next generation, which is why it's so important and absolutely so key that the decisions and, 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 and the choices that we are making before God, it's not just about us. It's about the generations. It's about our children and our children's children. So it's so key that we're making those right choices before God. 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 9 says, The Lord became angry with Solomon. This is that loving God, you know, that gracious God, that merciful God, and he still is that. But he became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept, and it's an attitude. We have to get that's an attitude. We need God to touch in that place. You have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you. I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. And so from Solomon's divided heart, because he didn't have an undivided heart towards God, he had a divided heart. He thought he could have both. Uh, Israel became divided. 
However, we have to ask ourselves this question. Well, I ask myself this question. Hang on a minute. Didn't David sin? Hang on a minute. His dad, if you know the story, was meant to be fulfilling the call of God upon his life. He was meant to be out fighting with his men, decided to stay home, committed adultery. The girl fell pregnant. He ordered uh, her husband to get killed on the front lines. Hang on a minute, what's the difference here? What's going on? I believe the difference was their hearts. One was turned away from God. If we, we just read it, Solomon's heart turned away from God. The other, David, his heart was turned to God. Yes, he stuffed up. <laughs> he stuffed up big time. He made a big mistake, a few actually, but his heart was always turned to God. The Bible says that he, David has a heart, uh, he, he, he was a man after God's own heart. He had a heart towards God. He, one, one repented and one did not. One repented and one did not. David responded when God rebuked him through the prophet Nathan. The difference was in the heart. One was turned away and one was turned to. One repented, one did not. And David realised that there was something wrong deep within his heart. He realised that. He was aware of that and he prayed this prayer in Psalm 51 verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That was his prayer. Once he realised that there was something wrong in his heart, deeply wrong he prayed that prayer create in me a pure heart O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me and he knew only God could do it he knew only God that's why he said create in me a pure heart we can't do it in our own strength guys we cannot do it in our own strength create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me but his heart was always towards God always Ezekiel the prophet chapter 11 verse 17 says this therefore say this is what the sovereign Lord says I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered and I will give you back the land of Israel again they will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. If you notice here, it says, again, it says that God will give them an undivided heart. God will give us an undivided heart. That he will remove our hearts of stone. And theologians say that a heart of stone implies uh, inflexibility. It implies willfulness, will, willfulness, did I say that right? Willfulness, and it implies stubbornness. Yeah, so I thought I was a bit embarrassed to put my hand up at all, but I was reading a book recently um, on inner healing, and it was by this lady called um, Jennifer Ivaz. And she resides in California and um, she's an intercessor and, um, 
and a minister. She speaks around the world. And she was saying how she had two uh, speaking engagements, two big ministry trips coming up. And uh, one was in Perth, Western Australia, and one was in Thailand. And she thought to herself, the one in Perth, Western Australia, she thought, that's awesome. It's going to be pretty easy. It's going to be pretty cushy. It's uh, by the ocean, which is absolutely awesome. I mean, who doesn't want to come to Perth, Western Australia? Right where we live, right, guys? And, uh, and, um, and she thought, good weather as well, because we've got good weather, right? Is Queensland weather better or is our weather better? Ours? Yeah, thought so. <laughs> of course. Actually, this is going to lead in really well to what I'm about to say. But anyway, and the one in Thailand, she just anticipated that it would be way more difficult because it was in the city of Bangkok. She said she knew there was a spiritual atmosphere there that was uh, thick with demonic activity. You know, you've got your shrines and your idols and, and all of that happening. And so they, they really prayed and fasted and they got prepped up and they were ready to go. Uh, however, what she discovered, she said, surprisingly, uh, that the Perth trip was a lot more difficult. And the reason she said that is because she... What she saw in the spiritual realm was a stronghold of a spirit of pride and a spirit of witchcraft like New Ageism. And, uh, and she said it was hard yakka. I was a bit like, I couldn't, I was shocked to be, I just, I've just read it in the last one or two weeks while I was laying in my bed and I couldn't get out of my bed. Uh, and um, that's us here in Perth, Western Australia. God wants to do something in our hearts. God needs to break stuff and remove the heart of stones, Amen. And there's no condemnation in that, but we need to have our hearts turned towards God. Um, and that spirit of pride is what Ezekiel was talking about, that we need to allow our hearts to be transformed from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Amen. Lord, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It's going to take prayer to reach people for Jesus Christ, hey? Prayer. We had an awesome prayer meeting actually on Wednesday night. Thank you to those that came out. Amazing worship and incredible prayer. And I'm just so excited for the next season that we're heading into as a church. God is good, amen. But God calls us to have a soft heart. He calls us to have a humble heart. He calls us to have a repentant heart. He calls us to have a heart uh, that does things his way. That's what he calls us to. A heart that's completely devoted to him deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 15 says now listen and the bible says listen what do we do we listen today this day i'm giving you a choice between life and death between prosperity and disaster for i command you this day to love the lord your god and to keep his commands and his decrees and regulations by walking in his ways if you do this you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. If the team can come, please, that'll be awesome if we can have keys. I want to tell you that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. Not the person next to you or beside you or behind you, but for you personally. Don't disqualify yourself. God has a plan for your life. And he wants you to step into this wide open space that he has prepared for you he's prepared a space for you we just read it we just read it he has a plan for your life 
and he wants you to step into it. He's paved the way for you. He's gone before you. He had good works prepared before you were even born, stuff for you to do in God's kingdom. First you be and then you do, right? It comes out of being. You know, it's not about works and trying to earn God's love. We know that. I hope you know that. Because we don't ever operate. We operate from his love. We don't operate for his love. I spent many years operating for his love. But we operate from his love. He's a good God. He has good plans for you. I just knew whatever it was, still now, I don't know what God has in my future, but I know it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing because he's a good God. However, he needs us to interact with it. He needs us to, or you to, and me, to turn from our little G gods, whatever it may be. And I'm not, we focused, we talked a little bit about relationships, but I'm not just talking about relationships. There's so many things, whether it's money, pride, witchcraft, idol, things that you're putting before God is what we're talking about. For some of you, it's laying down your pride and your willfulness and your stubbornness. You know, Sicilians can be really stubborn. I'm half Sicilian. I met my match in Jacob, though, I'll tell you that much. And he's not even Italian. We've got a few Italians in the house, eh? They breed them strong and Aussie too, eh? (laughs) For some of us, it's laying down our excuses. God's sick of them. He's done. He's not a fan. It's so clear in Scripture. We've got to lay them down. It's God first, always. It's His way, it's not our way. The Bible says His thoughts are different to our thoughts and His ways aren't our ways. What? (laughs) Is that really in the Bible? His way isn't my way? It can't be His way and our way. It has to be all His way. With an undivided heart and complete devotion towards Him. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we making excuses to avoid responding to God's call upon our life has your heart turned away from God like Solomon to serve little g gods do you have a repentant and soft heart I'm asking you personally you don't have to answer out loud but ask yourself this question as you're sitting there and thinking about these things Psalm 24 verse 3 says who may climb the mountain of the Lord who may stand in his holy place only those whose hands and hearts are pure who do not worship idols and never tell lies. It's an interesting little thing to chuck in there. And never tell lies. Malcolm, Pastor Malcolm, has always taught us to, in ministry and in life, to keep our hands clean and our hearts pure. Clean hands, pure heart, and walk humbly before God. Is God calling you higher in an area? He's always, I expect he probably is. You've got a next step. We all have next steps. What's yours? I know what mine is. We all have next steps. And I love what Jacob shared this morning. There's a season for everything. What season is yours? Because it's different to the person next to you. Is there stuff you need to lay down? What stuff do we need to lay down? Where are you wrestling with God? That was such a long bus trip. 
wrestling. Wrestling. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Are you responding to God's invitation to the great banquet? I would hate to get uninvited. It'd be devastating. It's the greatest invitation of all. It'd be terrible. I'm going to tell you there's no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. You know, the word over our church and um, that Pastor Jacob shared at the start of the year was that this year will be a year of expansion. A year of expansion. That God would expand our hearts, our minds, our influence, our territory, your life, your mind, what God's calling you to. But it has to start in our hearts. It has to start here. I think back to that long bus trip and being told, don't look back. Those that look back are not fit for the service in the kingdom of God and and laying down that, that person, that guy, that relationship. It was painful, it hurt, but it was right. And uh, I had no idea what was up ahead for me. I didn't know this guy was waiting somewhere a few years down the track. And praise God. So I look at my family and my children and and all that God's doing and, and I give him all glory. I think about the time that God called me out of the church I was at at the time. Um, before this church, I was uh, part of another church and, and I felt God calling me to be a part of this church plant. And, um, and I was happy where I was. I, to be honest, I was comfortable and I didn't really want to. I was, I, I, I was happy where I was. But I had no idea what God had up ahead for me. I didn't know I was going to end up becoming the pastor of this church. I had no idea. But I need to leave what was known for the unknown for God to outwork his plan for my life. It was so important. It was so key. It was so integral. One thing I knew, though, I knew I could trust God. I knew I could trust God. And God wants to bless us more than we can imagine. Ephesians chapter 3 says, Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power. Again, it's him that does the work that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God doesn't want to share us. He wants all of us. Will you give it to him today? Will you repent if you need to? Not all of us do. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you've never taken that first step and given your heart to Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life. Um, Maybe today that could be your day. It's a simple prayer. Romans chapter 9 says, if you, chapter 10, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So we're just going to give people online or in the building an opportunity right now. We're going to pray all together. If you'd bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. We're just going to, um, if you're praying this for the very first time, just mean it with all your heart. It's the first step in the journey with God. I'll never forget when I first made this decision. 
church, if you'd follow after me. God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. I ask that you forgive my sins. Wash me clean. And today I choose to live for you, completely devoted to you, with an undivided heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just with your heads continued to be bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, won't you lift up your hand in the air just so I can pray with you if there's anyone in the building. If there's anyone online, if you can comment, would love to connect with you. Just a few more moments. If there's anyone that prayed that prayer or made a recommitment this morning. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray for the rest of us now. So why don't you stand to your feet and extend your hands towards God. God, I thank you for your word this morning, Father God. I thank you that you are a gracious God. I thank you that you are merciful, Father. I thank you that you are loving. But you don't want to share us, Lord God. You want all of us. And I pray, Father God, that you would create in us pure hearts, Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit within us for every single person here, Lord. Where there's areas where people need to repent, I pray a repentance takes place. Where people's hearts, if they're in God's house, they're even serving, they're rocking up every Sunday, but their hearts have turned from you. I pray today their hearts would turn back towards you. I pray where walls have gone up around people's hearts because they've been hurt, they've been burnt, whatever the situation may be, and they're trying to protect themselves emotionally by putting up own walls. I pray that they make a decision today to bring down those walls and to trust you to protect them emotionally. I pray today is that day that they surrender and give you all of themselves that they hold back nothing anymore because they know they can trust you. They don't have to hold on to certain areas, whether it be work or family or this or that, or trust in fight, whatever it may be, that they can release and let go and know that you have an amazing plan for them and that you want him to step into that space, that wide open space that you have for them. I pray today is that day of surrender, of repentance, of turning hearts back to you. We love you, Jesus. You are worthy. You deserve all praise. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just go on to a song now, if that's okay. Thank you, Father God. Why don't you do business with God this morning? Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord God. You are so worthy. Praise you, Jesus. We give you everything, Father oh God. God. The battle belongs to you. Thank you, Jesus. Every fear I lay at If you'd like prayer, please come forward. I'll we'll pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh